Ellis returned to the right side. Extended line there. Duchesne for Ellis. Back to Duchesne by the faceoff circle. Given back to Yossi to score. Roman Yossi scores with nine seconds left on the two-man advantage. Sissons is out of the box, and the puck comes right to him. Breaking in shorthanded. He scores! Colton Sissons shorthanded. The first of the year for Nashville. Whoa! A spinning try from inside the blue line by Nick Bonino to flex in. you got to be kidding me. Here comes Eckholm in shorthanded. He scores! Matias Eckholm! Well, folks, there goes Brent Peterson. Off the faceoff, going after it. Fabro spinning and shooting then. Arvidsson stopped by Miller. Behind the net, they're out in front. Arvidsson scores! Victor Arvidsson answers back. That took 31 seconds to respond. Arvidsson now has Yarncroke breaking in. Yarncroke tips it, and Arvidsson made him put it in. Six-one Nashville. Predators have two goals in each of the three periods. Win the game, six-one. And that is how it sounded last night here on ESPN 102.5, the game and the Nashville Predators radio network as the Predators defeat the Ducks 6-1 to at Bridgestone Arena. Welcome into Morning Drive. Nick Kale, Braden Gall, Derek Mason, Marquise Munson with you here on this Wednesday. Braden will be in for the second half of the show. He's got daddy duty for the first two hours. Boys, happy hump day. Happy hump day. Hump day. Hump day. What day is it? What day is it? Hump day. As far as I'm concerned, like I said yesterday on the show, it doesn't need to be just Taco Tuesday. Mm-hmm. You can have tacos any day. Yeah, you can. And well, it can be hump day any day of the week as well. well hump day Wednesday. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Like Why can't it be Valley Day? Because I've always looked at well, it. Well, I was always pro Bayside back in the Saved by the Bell days. You know, yeah. Bayside versus Valley. <laughs> you had to choose a side. Well, how can it be Valley Day? Because Wednesday... Is after Wednesday or Wednesday on after? You're looking up because it's went Thursday, Friday, Saturday. You're looking up, man. You're inching closer. Yeah, you're inching closer. So I'm like Valley Day, <laughs> <laughs> Valley Day, baby. No more hump days. It's exactly. Valley Day. We are absolutely loaded today here on the show. We've got uh, Derek Mason, head coach of Vanderbilt, today at 7.30. Another D-Mace dissection coming up at 8 o'clock. Sean Henry, Adam Vingan also stopping by in the second half of today's festivities. And last night was a great night of sports. I mean, if you're a football guy, you didn't get any football. But there was baseball, there was basketball, there was hockey. Uh, We'll begin with the Preds. They beat the Ducks last night 6-1, to as you heard Pete Weber there on the call. Uh, Shorthanded goals, power play goals. You had a goal and an assist for Roman Yossi and Victor Arvidsson. And then four other goals along the way with Sissons Grimaldi, who he gets on the board finally this year. Matthias Eckholm and Kelly Yarncroke also with goals. And if you look at it last night, and I know offensively they are just humming right now, but Pecorine stops 26 of 27 shots, and this guy remains undefeated in regulation this year, now 5-0-1 on the season. But as you've said, Mace, on this show, 
you know, offensively, this team right now, I mean, they look like absolute world beaters. Yeah, man. They um two goals in the first, two goals in the second, two goals in the third. Um, you know, when it seemed like Anaheim was I'm not going to say there was mounting some type of com- uh, comeback, but it seemed as if, you know, they were getting a little momentum. And then after their their goal because of the turnover um, on on the Predator side of the ice, um, you know, they come back 30 seconds later. Um, Victor Arvison finds himself with a goal after his scrappiness. That, that's all that was, was just pure, you know, they get on the other end, the puck moves around a little bit. And you just see Victor Arvison fighting for the puck and mm-hmm. staying with it. And then he hits a goal. Um, and then, obviously, subsequently, they score another goal a little bit later. Um, I think Arvey stole Jan Cruz's goal. I think he did. I think Arvey stole it. Um, stole, <laughs> I, stole the apple. Exactly. But I, I hope they give it to Jan Kroos, Um Because it did. It was across the line somewhat. And then Arvey hit it. Um, but I mean, this team, this team is at this point in time, I don't think there's any, and I know the numbers bear it out as well, but sometimes numbers can be misleading. Mm-hmm. But if you watch this team, they are the best offensive team, um, in the National Hockey League. They, they're so hard to stop right now offensively because there's just so much speed. There's so much skill. There's so much depth. They come at you in waves. And you're looking at a guy like Rocco Grimaldi, who was one of the lone bright spots, bright spots in the Dallas series last year. He gets on the board last night. And by the way, they're doing this without arguably their most gifted offensive player mm-hmm. in Philip Forsberg, who's now missed three straight games due to an injury. And you look at it, Anaheim was six and three on the year going into last night. And the Predators took them out of commission right away. I mean, you literally, you could have watched that first period and said, oh, you know what, this is going to be one of those beer games where you just prop up your feet, throw your legs up, sit back, because they're going to cruise. And Anaheim, I don't think, really ever posed much of a threat. Uh, my only question about this team right now is, where's Craig Smith? He's the only guy that really seems like he can't get going, although he had a close opportunity on the power play last night. But you just watch them. They get another power play goal. Mm-hmm. They're scoring. They're they're scoring goals shorthanded. Yeah, I mean that shouldn't happen. No, but that just shows you the efficiency um, of this offense. It shows you the sharpness of this offense. Um, you know that they they come at you. They come at you like a like a like a like a um, a earthquake. It's like they hit you with, you know. Eight on a Richter scale, and mm-hmm. then you know, some hours later they come back with a a six, and then it's the shock reaction, and they come back with a four, and it's like they're just it's just constant, just one after another, mm-hmm. and the other team just can't relax because you know another tremble is coming, and you just got to hold on, and that's how their offense operates. You, you mentioned the effort and the energy from Victor Arvidsson. Like if I was a corporate executive for five hour energy. Monster, Red Bull, whatever your caffeinated uh, energy drink of choice is, I, I would be on the phone this morning with the Predators or Victor Robertson and say, hey, what's it going to cost to get him to endorse my product? Because that guy runs around like he just drank 30 Red Bulls. Yeah, he. I don't know what he does. He must, uh, Where do you find that energy? I, man, and it never man, wavers. This guy, I think he, you know, <laughs> I can't say what I really want to say. It's like, uh, what do they call it, P.M. Vinegar? 
you just full of pee and vinegar. Yeah. That's what I want to say. But it's another word, pee and vinegar. That's, yeah. that's, that's what Victor Arverson is. He's just full of it, man. And he, he's just, and you can see, he, and I'm going to tie this to basketball because it was the opening day last night. He's like Beverly for the Clippers. Mm-hmm. He just comes at you, comes at you, comes at you, and he don't stop. And you're trying to like, man, stop it. Y'all are winning. Stop. And he still comes at you, and you get irritated. And then you do something, and you get a penalty. Yeah, and then you do something else, and you get another penalty. It, and he's sitting over there laughing. It's like the equivalent of a guy in the NFL who's like maybe an undersized pass rusher mm-hmm. or just one of these guys in, in any sport that you, you look at and you say, doesn't look like the most blessed, physically gifted guy, mm-hmm. but because of the way he balls and competes every single second, he extracts the most out of his ability. It's it's something that, you know, it's something that you just wish everyone had in them. And unfortunately, some of the greats don't have it in them because they're so gifted. Mm-hmm. Um, and and, and I, they're great and they work hard, but there's just something that, you know, people like Victor Arvinson has that sometimes even the greats don't have. And it's that willingness. If you open him up, the heart is bigger than he is. And the energy level is just, it's its like a machine in there. Like someone's in there and they're just going, 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 going. And he's just a, he's just a, he's just a body and something's inside him and he's just pushing, 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 pushing. And that's something that you just can't coach, man. His heart is as big as the team. Right? Yeah. And it's been that way for the longest. And he gets, he gets more out of him than I think anybody and I'm only basing this off my experience. Anybody that I've seen in the National Hockey League. Now, I don't watch a lot of other teams' um, games. But from what I've seen, he gets the most out of himself. His size, his weight, everything else. He gets the most out of himself than I think anybody in the National Hockey League. Also, last night, World Series Game 1. The Nationals beat the Astros 5-4. to four. Max Scherzer defeats Garrett Cole. Cole finally loses a game. It feels like he hasn't lost a game in months. Scherzer was on the ropes early in the first couple of innings. Looked like the Astros might actually pull away, but the Nationals steal a game where Scherzer was the underdog. But let's get to the NBA as well, because last night was opening night in the NBA. Doubleheader. We'll go to the second game where the Clippers beat the Lakers 112 to 102. And I'll ask you and Marquise, two guys on this show, devout Laker fans, will the Los Angeles Lakers recover from last night? And can they rebound with 81 games to go? Yeah, why you got to do this, man? I'm just wondering. Are they 6'10? Are they mathematically in trouble of missing the postseason? It's panic mode. Fire yeah. Frank Vogel right yeah, now. Fire Vogel. LeBron needs to retire. Anthony yeah, Davis um, is d- damaged goods. Get Jason Kidd. Make him the coach right now. Um, bring build, Magic Johnson back in. Build the team around Danny Green. <laughs> exactly. Build a team around Danny Green. Where is Byron Scott when you need him? <laughs> exactly. Man, the Lake the Lakers would be all right. But it, here's what I noticed yesterday. And it was it, it, it showed itself the second half of last season and into the um, finals. Um uh Kawhi Leonard is hands down the best player in basketball right now. Um, and it's not it's not close. Um, I love AD. I think AD size everything he does. He's the best big man, versatile. He can do everything on the court. He's a hard matchup. Play defense, play offense. Um, but he's six eleven, seven foot. Um, Kawhi Leonard six eight, 
six seven, six eight, six nine, somewhere around there. But he he just dominates, man, and he does it quietly. Um, doesn't say anything. He's a silent assassin. He's he's Michael Jordan two point I love Kobe, and I think Kobe Kobe's presence, his mannerisms was more Michael Jordan. But I think Kawhi's play, his 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 that 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 assassin, that quiet, that someone that on both ends of the court will lock you down or score thirty like he did last night. He's more of Michael Jordan than I think I've seen of anybody lately. Not again. Kobe had mannerisms like Michael. He made moves like Michael. You put them side to side, yes. But I think. What what made Michael great, Kobe kind of sort of lacks, and I think Kawhi has. Um, the guys just – and you can see it. Like, LeBron had no answer for him when LeBron got – it's like you could just see, like, slowly, like, mm-hmm. the LeBron, don't even come out here. Please don't even do it. And you're not getting past me if I guard you. Don't don't even do it. That's why they end up putting AD on him toward the end because LeBron, LeBron can't stay with him, you know? It made me even last season. I said this guy's. I mean, he's the best player. Now he's showing. I mean, he, he, it's even more. Oh, he's picking up right where he left exactly. off with Toronto. Oh, hey, my it looked like he didn't. You know, he'd been playing for the Clippers for six years. And I said this to you off the air. Uh, I would go Kawhi one, Giannis two, and I know you threw in Anthony Davis as well. I don't think you can say LeBron James is top three player in the league right now. LeBron's not a top five player in the league. His name. Is a top five player, but LeBron is not. Now, now, he's a top ten player, and that's damn good too. Yeah, for year sixteen it's in the a, league, absolutely. Yeah. But LeBron's no longer a top five player. LeBron's not the best player on his team. He's not. That team should run through AD all day, every day. It should. It might, um, and I think it will. But LeBron's not even the best player on his team, and I think he realizes that, and hopefully he can continue to play that way because if he doesn't, they're going to have problems. If he does, then I think it will be a matchup in the um, NBA's, in the Western Conference Final, it will be the Clippers and the Lakers. I'll tell you one thing, D-Mace. If the Lakers lose on Friday to the Utah Jazz, I'm not going to be here. If they start off 0-2, who does LeBron start circling as the scapegoat to fire come early February? Because you know that'll happen. Every time things go wrong for LeBron James, there's a scapegoat. And guess what? Jason Kidd's creeping. Jason Uh, Kidd wants that job, too. You know, know, that's why they said Jason Kidd was hired. They said, you know, the story is is that Jason Kidd was a force on Vogel. Like, they had to hire Jason Kidd. You know, he he is the guy waiting mm-hmm. to be the head coach. All right. It is Morning Drive. We are live this morning from the Wholesaling Studio, powered by RumbleOn.com. We will take your calls on the other side if you want to jump in. Predators defeat the Ducks 6-1. to one. Also, the World Series last night, the NBA. A lot of things you can talk about. 615-737-1025, the number 737-1025. We will come back and hear from our boy, Chase McCabe caught up one-on-one with Dante Fabro. That's next here on Morning Drive. 618, welcome back into Morning Drive, ESPN 1025 The Game. Nick Dimes, Marquise, Braden will be in later this morning. we got a good show for you today. Derek Mason from Vanderbilt. We've got a Mace dissection 
Also, uh, a good baldy breakdown today on not only Jeffrey Simmons, but also Ryan Tannehill. So we'll get to that as we'll get to some Titans talk coming up in just a little bit. But first, let's get to our little one-on-one conversation. The Constable Chase McCabe last night, he caught up with Dante Fabro, and here's how it went down. And, And I know you guys... Felt like you played well against Florida, but to come out tonight, get a big win, score a lot of goals, that has to feel pretty good. Yeah, obviously, I thought the guys played really well and battled hard and uh, took care of what we needed to take care of. Do you feel like this was the most complete game that maybe you guys have played to this point? Yeah, I think so. I mean, um, started off with a big first, uh, was able to get up a couple, and um, just kind of kept going after that. Um, obviously, it's there's going to be a, a couple laws in a game, but um, you know, I thought uh, you know the guys uh, did a good job of uh, you know taking their pressure and um, you know kind of going back down the other end and um, creating some chances. So um, I thought our special teams were awesome tonight, and um, you know, obviously Eki was was able to get a goal on the, on the PK. So um, you know, obviously we just got to keep keep being sharp in those areas. Led me into my. My next question with the penalty kill, you know, power plays starting to click, but to do that tonight on the penalty kill had to feel pretty good as well. Yeah, I mean, funny enough, it was on my penalty, but um, yeah, I thought, uh, you know, we, we played really well, a really solid uh, uh, special teams game, and, um, you know, the guys battled hard, blocked a lot of shots, and, um, you know, it was a big, obviously, a big emphasis coming into the game was uh, was being the difference maker, and uh, I thought uh, the guys that uh, obviously were out there were, did, uh, did an awesome job. This, as you probably know, this is a pretty big rivalry between these two teams. So I know around the locker room that probably came up a, a time or two, did it not? Uh, it did, but uh, you know I think the guys were, were pretty focused on on what we needed to do and and like I said, what we need to take care of. So um, you know we we never got too too far ahead and um, just kind of uh, took it shift by shift and uh, made sure we got the job done. Real quick before I let you go, you're doing the player show tomorrow, Smashville Live uh, for one or two five the game. Excited to come out to Drake's and see the fans absolutely i can't wait and you know i hope i hope to see see everyone there i'll try to ask you some good questions so we'll have fun appreciate it (laughs) thank you very much all right there you go chase mccabe dante fabro last night post game one-on-one and of course you heard there uh fabro will be with chase i guess chase is filling in for Braden on smashville live so predators get a win and you know it's funny you look at the season so far five three and one now get the minnesota wild coming up next which will be the second time they've played them this year. They beat them opening night 5-2. to two. But against some of the really good teams that we expected to be good this year, they defeated the Sharks 5-2, they defeated the Capitals 6-5, they defeated the Golden Knights 5-2, and they beat the Ducks 6-1. to one. They continue to play really, really well against the really good teams, but we can't have these lethargic performances in between against lesser competition. Well, that's what... You know, that's what's going to, you know, separate, you know, them from, you know, advancing um, and doing what they want to do is, you know, not. Um, like, why does that happen yeah. in pro sports where you play down to your competition or well, that or that becomes a trend? I think because and I think I've said this before. The great teams, the, the teams that are consistently great, whether you see in college football, college basketball, um, the NFL, NBA, or high, National Hockey League, it doesn't matter, or just an individual period, like an individual sport, they don't compete with the other team or the other person. They're competing with themselves. They're competing with a standard they've set for themselves. Mm-hmm. When you start competing with the next person, you're only going to go as hard as that person goes. Um, that's just the way it is. If if 
you know, if if I'm in a hundred meter race, I'm just going to try to beat that guy. If I'm not, you know, if I'm not, you know, Usain Hussein Bolt or someone else or Carl Lewis or Michael Johnson, I'm just trying to beat the guy in front of me. And once I get past him, I'm good. But if you are these elite, you know, these iconic, these these great players, it's when you get past them, now I want to run even faster because now I'm competing with myself. It's like now you see your shadow. Mm-hmm. Your shadow's on the ground now. Now you're trying to beat your shadow because that's the only thing that's running faster than you is your shadow. Yeah. So now you want to beat your shadow. That's where the predators got to get to is – we want to compete with our shadow. We're not competing with Anaheim. We're not competing with Washington. We're not competing with, you know, um, Vegas. We're not competing with some of these really good teams. We're competing against our shadow. We're competing against ourselves. Because what if they don't show up that night? What if they play lethargic, the other team? Are we just going to try to play a little bit better or right at the level with them? If that happens, then we might not win. Mm-hmm. No, it's It might a be point. a close game. So now we got to compete with ourselves. We got to set a standard and got to compete with ourselves. Same thing, same thing with the Titans. Don't compete. You're not competing with, you know, everybody. Compete with yourself. Set a level that's so high that that if you don't reach it even in a win, you're you're upset. Mm-hmm. You no doubt it, about it. You see it with um, New England. They upset. They upset when they, even when they win. You see it with um with Saban and Alabama. Exactly. When they win, he still got something to say mm-hmm. because I'm not competing with you. I'm competing against myself. I've set a standard for myself and my team that if we don't meet it even in a win, I'm going to be upset. Six one five seven three seven one zero two five. Adam is next on Morning Drive. Adam, you go ahead. What's up, guys? Uh, so two things. Number one, I got the tweet of the night, which was uh, for four years. Taking me to get those ice skating tickets. I'm pretty excited. Um, number two, man, I, I guarantee when Pecorino retires, we're looking for a new starting goalie, man. I, I, I look at some of the saves he made last night. There's no doubt, like, no reason to think that we should keep Soros, man. Like, maybe in a backup role, keep him like that. But the, the people are finding out that they he's not tall enough and they could shoot over his shoulder, but... The way Pekka laid out, especially the one that they really, really were talking about, where he's basically in a split and had to stop, uh, you know, a tall putt flying over his uh, left shoulder. Man, there's no way Soros makes that stop. Man, he's not so, big enough. So, so let, let me get this straight. So six one last night, Pekarine five zero and one on the year, uh-huh. and your synopsis is UC Soros will eventually not be the guy. Hundred percent. Yeah, man, I, I get it. <laughs> I get it. I should be all positive. I'm just—it just got me thinking. I'm like, this dude's killing it, and we can't. No, I mean, I'm not. I'm not saying. I'm not saying you got to be like overly positive. I just don't know where the uh, uh, the belief all of a sudden is. UC Soros is not the guy. Uh, I mean, I know he hasn't had the best of starts I mean, he, of the season, but what, what has he started? Three games? Exactly. I mean, he just hadn't started off. And there was a point in last year where Pekka wasn't playing good. And people were saying, oh, can we leave Soros in the net? Soros is playing better than Pekka, as good or even better than Pekka. I mean, Soros is just on a slump right now. And it's not all his fault, even Lobby. You know, if you, if you listen to some of the um, interviews, you know, it's not all his fault. Um and the guys just got to help him up front. Now, yeah, Pekka has an advantage. He's about four or five inches taller. But, you know, UC has has proven he's shown his worth inside the, inside the pipes. 
I mean, you know, on average, I think he's he's over ninety percent save percentage. Oh yeah. Um, so this guy, he's quick he can as a go cat. to just about any other team and start. That's the same. This is the same stuff we were saying about Carter Hutton years ago. You know, he, he, he had to leave. Pekka was the guy. Pekka was younger. Now Carter Hutton's one of the best goalies in in the National Hockey League. You know, so you don't have to be this six eight guy. You just got to know what to do, and, and Soros knows what to do. He's just he's just going through a slump right now, and you know, in order to get out of that slump, guys, you got to help him in front. And then once he get into a rhythm, he he'll be fine. But you know, I I don't expect to have these same problems. Say, you know, thirty games in, where now we're questioning whether Soros is the guy. Okay, coming up next, we're going to get to some Tennessee Titans talk because if you look around the National Football League, the New England Patriots yesterday traded for Mohamed Sanu. They got themselves a wide receiver for Tom Brady. Uh, the 49ers got better yesterday. They traded for Emmanuel Sanders from the Denver Broncos. So what is John Robinson going to do before the trade deadline? We'll get to that when we come back here on Morning Drive. Back in here live on a Wednesday edition morning drive. Nick DeMace Marquise. Braden will be joining us coming up in a little bit. He's got daddy duty for the first half of the show. So he's like a player in the SEC who's sitting out the first half after being ejected for targeting the week before. He's going to he's gonna sit out the first 30 minutes of the game. Absolutely. He'll be back. Devin Don't White, pretty it. much. <laughs> White threw the flag on him. Uh, but let me get to this. I saw this yesterday, and, and it got me thinking about Jay Robin. And this is nothing against John Robinson, but I'm looking at the Patriots. They say, you know what, we're undefeated, but we need to get better. So what do they do? They give up a two to the Atlanta Falcons for Mohamed Sanu. The Denver Broncos are clearly a team in rebuild mode right now. They don't have the long-term solution, I don't think, a quarterback. And the 49ers say, you know what, we're undefeated, but we want to get better. So let's trade for Emmanuel Sanders. So you got the two teams that are undefeated still in the league getting better, and it made me wonder, all right, well, what is John Robinson doing for a 3-4 and four Titans team? And here's what I've come to the conclusion. I don't think John Robinson will make a trade mm-hmm. because I think it'll be hard to get a good offensive lineman f- without really giving up a ton. And I also think internally, if I have a- a- any gut feeling as to how they operate, they view Jeffrey Simmons as basically – Somebody that they just acquired before the trade deadline, anyway. Um, no, you, you, I can see that being the case, but I think they still need some offensive firepower. I, I really do. Even with Tannehill, Tannehill um, as the new starter, I think they need some more offensive firepower. Um, you know, they don't have a second back. I don't think. Um, you know, if Derrick Henry's not going, then they're not. They don't have a running game. They don't have that back anymore. That that you know, if you take Derek out the game, that gives you this multifaceted you know type of thing where they it's running the ball or catching the ball out the backfield. Deion Lewis is just not that guy anymore. Um, you know, he's a serviceable player now, but he's not the guy he was two years ago when they brought him in here. Um, so to me, they need some more firepower on offense. Um, they need to change a pace guy. Uh, I think if they get that guy, uh, I don't even really think they need, at this point of time, I don't think they need another offensive lineman other than for depth. I don't think they need to bring someone in to start. I think they need depth. I think eventually, will this offensive line be the best offensive line in the National Football League? No. But I think they will settle down 
and you know the twenty what twenty two twenty three sacks they gave up in the first you know five six games mm-hmm. it won't be that um I think they'll settle down now, again they won't be the best, but they'll settle somewhere in that middle ground um so I think they'll be fine, but I think they need depth behind the guys because again Conklin got hurt um um the rookie nate 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 Davis was injured um so they just need some depth, but they do need another playmaker. Um, and I'm not saying wide receiver. I'm saying they just need a playmaker out the backfield. You, I just I just get the feeling that they're going to look at it as, you know, Ryan Tannehill, that's our new piece on offense. Jeffrey Simmons, that's our new piece on defense. And if you're, if you're not going to get caught up in the moment and mortgage away future draft capital for a stud offensive lineman before the trade deadline or a skill player like you talked about, a change of pace running back, I think the the thought process might be, look, we're going to be in the market for a franchise quarterback this upcoming April. Mm-hmm. If Ryan Tannehill's not our guy, if Marcus Mariota's not our guy, I can't give up future draft picks before the trade deadline because I might need that to maneuver come April if there's a quarterback I like that I need to climb up for. Not saying they're going to move up to draft mm-hmm. Tua, but if there's somebody that they think might go to them, you know, fall three spots before them, you don't want to give that up now for an offensive lineman if you are if you are indeed in the market for a franchise quarterback come draft time. No, you're absolutely right. Um, you know, if if indeed your thought pattern is okay, uh, we've moved on. You know, essentially we've moved on from Marcus. Now we might still need him this year, um, but essentially we've moved on because we're not going to sign no bridge deal, giving him twenty something million dollars a year uh, to eventually you know change again. Um, so you moved on, you're, you're going to move on from Marcus. So if that is indeed the case, which I think it is, well, you want to save your assets. You want to save your assets to try to move up in the draft to get your guy. Maybe you got to move up a spot or two, um, to get the guy you want. Um, so why would you trade, you know, for a marquee player now, um, when you know that eventually you're going to be looking to get a quarterback via the draft. Mm -hmm. Um, so, you know, you're right, but I still think, there might be a guy out there that they, you know, trade away a future fourth round pick, fifth round pick, and a player for. Um, oh, I would definitely trade a player. Yeah. Yeah, I'd give up. Like, if somebody said, hey, if, if like, the Atlanta Falcons said, you know, uh, give us, I don't know, a Dory Jackson for uh, Alex Mack, I'll like, I, I would yeah. do that. Oh, definitely, I would take it. Um, you know, but I, I'm trying to figure out who would be a commodity for another team. The only there's only a few players: um, Delaney Walker, Dory Jackson. Um, you know who else? I, I, Lewis. He would be a commodity. Um, you wouldn't get a lot in return, but I think. But it would know, have to be a team that's still competing. Like, yeah, a team like if you're in the competing. tank, you're not trading for Delaney yeah, Walker. A t- yeah, a team that's still competing. Well, you might be. I mean, it all depends. Um, like, I can't believe him. the Falcons got a two for Sanu. Sanu's a good receiver, man. I know, but a second-round pick? Yeah, Sanu. Well, I mean, Atlanta, you know, I think New England, they they understand that they're not, more than likely they're not getting Grock back. Um, he's not coming out of retirement. Um, and they need a big-body receiver. Gordon's in and out of the lineup, hurt. Um, they just got rid of Demarius Thomas not too long ago. Um you know, so they need more. They need a big, their their first round draft pick, Nikhil um, Harry, um, just coming back from injury. 
they need a big body guy mm-hmm. that's proven he can play in this league and this main main play. So they go out and get Sanu. They figure they give up a second, but I guarantee you, listen, New England will get that second back somehow, some way. Oh, they They'll always find do. a way yeah. to get that second back. Um, that's why they don't mind making deals like they've made it. And Sanu's young, so they if they choose to resign him to another contract, they will, and he will be there for um, Tom Brady. That's if Tom Brady's there. That's true. Titans fans, let's hear from you. 615-737-1025. Do you think John Robinson will make a move before the trade deadline? 737-1025. What are you willing to part with? What do you want? I mean, I know Braden's mentioned Alex Mack from the Falcons. I believe he's the center. I think that would be a significant upgrade. What are you willing to give up? Like, I, I would give up a player for a guy like Alex Jones if it's short up the middle of my offensive line. I'm just not giving up a second or a third round pick because I might need that come draft time, especially if they're in the market for a franchise quarterback. Seven three seven one zero two five. Morning Drive. Your calls when we come back here on ESPN one zero two five. The game. Welcome back in Morning Drive six forty five live here on a Wednesday edition of the show. ESPN one zero two five. The game. We got a D Mace dissection coming up this morning at eight o'clock. We'll also kick off the second hour. We got a good baldy breakdown coming on Jeffrey Simmons and Ryan Tannehill. And maybe, just maybe, John Robinson looks at both of these additions this past Sunday as all that this franchise needs right now this year to have a meaningful second half of the season and be alive in it and in the mix for the playoffs. Because now all of a sudden you've got a quarterback that looks really competent. You've got a total force on the defensive line who looked like, you know, shades of Aaron Donald on Sunday. And I know it's only one game, but the dude was an absolute game changer. So... Will John Robinson make a move? What should be the move? Because let's face it, the Patriots are undefeated, and they're not, they're not complacent. They're like, yeah, yeah, we're still going to try to get better. The San Francisco 49ers are looking like, hey, we might be the best team in the NFC. We're undefeated. We're going to get better. I love Emmanuel Sanders. That, that, you know, Last year we talked about Amari Cooper and whether or not the Titans mm-hmm. should go out and get him. I think because the Niners have been so good this year, defensive line, running the ball, Garoppolo wins games, mm-hmm. but they're not lighting it up. So what do they do? Kyle Shanahan says, you know what, give me another toy. No, you're right. Um, they needed a, you know, they needed another uh, another wide receiver. And Emmanuel Sanders, you know, he is he where he was years ago? No. Um, this is a guy, you know, that was had some really good years at Pittsburgh, a few good years at Pittsburgh. And then, you know, he gets traded to Denver. Uh, and, you know, he has a he has some really good seasons there. Now he's been traded to um, San Francisco. And maybe he gets a, you know, a resurgence somewhat. Uh, because they, you know, San Francisco, they have nobody over 200 yards. No receiver over 200 yards. Yeah. The tight end, um, George Kittles leads the team in receiving yard, receiving yards and receptions. You're not going to win consistently like that if you don't have a threat on the outside. Marquise Goodwin uh, and Debo Samuel um, are the two leading receivers in receptions amongst receivers. This is a young receiving core, and mm-hmm. they needed someone um, like uh, Emmanuel Sanders to come in and be that veteran guy. So, you know – Teams are doing it. The teams that are, you know, that are feel they are in contention, they're they're making moves right now. And if the Titans feel they're in contention, they're going to make some moves. I think they need to make some. Obviously, having Simmons back is an addition. Having um, Tannehill 
as your new quarterback, that could be considered, like you said, an addition mm-hmm. to the team. So maybe John says, you know, that's all we need. But, I, I mean, if I'm looking at this team, I'm like, we need somebody else. We need one more player. Six one five seven three seven one zero two five. Let's get to Keith, who's next on Morning Drive. Keith, you go ahead. Hey, guys. Thanks for taking my call. Sure. I, I, I have a, a take, so to speak. I don't see how John Robinson can afford not to trade Marcus before the trade deadline. Because, I mean, it's his contract year. Either that or he'll be able to sign him for 10 or $11 million a year. I mean, the, the only thing I could think of is maybe he'll trade him to UCLA for a future day on Brown. Who knows? But, but, don't be but, calling my boy Logan Woodside up. <laughs> but, but, Keith, here's the, here's the thing you got to remember when you're talking about trades. It takes two to party. It takes two to tango. And... It is very difficult in any sport to trade a guy on an expiring contract because if you're the team that is giving up a draft pick or multiple picks for a player who's got an expiring contract, you need to know and have the assurance that he's going to re-sign with you short-term or long-term. And I don't know what that would be for Marcus Mariota, but if I'm a general manager and I need a quarterback, whether it's as a backup or as a starter, I'm not giving up a draft pick or multiple picks and then possibly losing that guy in free agency because now I'm out two things. I'm out the guy I traded for and all my capital. No, you're absolutely right. Um, you know, And that's the decision that John Robinson is going to have to make. Uh, that's why, you know, do you trade for a marquee player that's on an expiring contract? Probably not. Um, you know, especially a you know a young good player. That's what the charge. I mean, the L.A. Rams are gonna have to deal with Jalen Jalen Ramsey. They're gonna and they're gonna pay him, but they're getting a guy on an expired contract that they're gonna have to pay. They've gave they've given up the the farm to get him. Well, now they gotta pay him, which I think they will. Um, and that that would be something the Tennessee Titans um will have to look into. Um, now, to me, they just need another back. They need someone a little bit younger, um, a little bit more explosiveness. Uh, maybe maybe they go back to New England and say, listen, we will give you Delaney and, you know, I don't know, um, Lewis for for James White, you know, in, a, in, a, in, in maybe a, a fifth-round pick. James White, young, um, he's one of the top pro um um, pro football focus running backs in the National Football League. Mm-hmm. He still gives you Im- immense value. Now, the problem with that would be, well, what does – I mean, obviously they're getting back, you know, Lewis. So maybe that's not a big dip um, for the New England Patriots, um, you know, because they still would have Rick uh, Burkhead. And you know how New England interchanges their backs, and they already they got a feature back. But do you really want to do business with Belichick and the Patriots? Well, they've already done business with Belichick and the Patriots, I believe, haven't they? Um, yeah, I think they have. Yeah, we're getting um, Malcolm Butler. Yeah, Butler, and but they've gotten Patriot Deion guys. Lewis. They've gotten Patriot guys. Um, Just feels like we're always getting the the worst end of the stick. Here. But I think if you get someone like James White, he's still young. He still can do those things that that Lewis could do two years ago. Um, so you, you guy that can run between the tackles, a guy that's really good out of the backfield, a guy that makes makes guys miss and can get that extra yardage. Well, you say, hey, listen, I know, you know, Gronk's not coming back. Uh, you might need a tight end. 
uh, why don't we give you Delaney Walker? He, he would be the perfect Patriot. Yeah, Delaney Walker. It may be Lewis for, you know, James White and maybe someone else or just a pick. I think that would be something that would work well for the Tennessee Titans because they, they need one more guy. And then I know people are listening and say, well, if you take Delaney off, then what? It's not addition by subtraction. If Janu stays healthy, he continues to play the way he's playing. He's younger. Um, he's faster. And yes, Delaney still plays great football. I'm not saying he doesn't, but it would be a business move. Well, and you also think that Delaney could very well be on his way out anyway. Exactly. I think he's on his way out anyway at the end of the season. So why not try to get something for him? And I know Delaney Walker would be ecstatic if he can go to the New England Patriots. Oh, wouldn't, wouldn't yeah, be, yeah. Right? At this time, of, you know, in, in this phase of their career, who wouldn't be excited to go to New England? He wins the Super Bowl this year, exactly. then he just retires. I would be like, man, don't even pack my bags. I pack them for you. Think, think I'm about out of here. Think about that as a comeback story. You, you blow your knee out week one against the Dolphins. You're out for the year. You rehab. You come back. The guy that you have a good rapport with on the field gets benched. You have said you know a couple of things on social media. You didn't like the way your own franchise was handling the quarterback debate with 48 hours to go. Who will Vrabel name the starting quarterback? They say, you know what, we're gonna we're gonna scale your playing time back, which is a theory uh-huh. you had yesterday. And then he gets traded before the deadline, goes to the football factory in Foxborough, and now he's got a ring on his finger in February. Hey, Delaney would love it. Ain't that, ain't that a Hollywood movie? <laughs> Delaney would love it right now. I'm telling you, and and you know, it, I think it would be a good move for the Tennessee Titans because one, you know, this is a player that you might end up releasing at the end of the season anyway because of age and you figure you got a young guy that can come in. Then if you want another tight end, you could draft another one or get a veteran guy that don't have as many years as Delaney. So you get rid of a guy, you get rid of the salary and you bring in another player that you need at a position that you, that you need. I think another running back. Well, why don't like, so going back to Marcus then, and I'm not saying that the Titans should trade Marcus Mariota, but if you were to make that move of knowing that he's going to leave, so let's just go ahead and kind of get rid of him and get some value out of it. Why don't you just trade him to a team kind of similar to the, how the NBA does it to where, look, this is going to be the team that wants to sign you to an extension or wants to sign you to a new deal. We'll, we'll talk with you. If you, if there's a certain team that you're interested in, we'll work with you on working on that trade for, with that team that you want to go to and a team that is potentially willing to sign you to an extension. They can't do it. They can't do it. They still need Marcus. I'm not saying they need him to win games, but they need him. If Tannehill goes down, who, who do you, if you trade away Marcus, Tannehill goes down, your season's done. Yeah, now. and keep in mind, yeah. too, as good as Tannehill was last week, Ryan Tannehill's been more injury-prone in his career Except, than Marcus. Absolutely. So if Ryan goes down, then what do you do? Now your season's for real shot. I mean, but you, I, I just think I, I just look at what does the Titan outside of Delaney, what other trade values do you have? Like, what were you getting out of Deion Lewis? You're probably going to get what a four fifth round. Probably not even that. <laughs> like, what are you getting from D, for Deion Lewis? So it's, just, it's, it's like there's no value on this team that he's even tradable to. Me. I, I think you just got to start right at the top and say, is John Robinson a guy that operates on impulse? The answer is no. John Robinson, who I I am not that high on is a guy I think that takes a more conservative, calculated approach, and he typically doesn't do splash moves. He he you know dances and nibbles around the edges, so I don't think he's going to do anything drastic before the deadline anyway. 
No, you're that, right. That, that's just my gut feeling. He could be. He might be right about that. Seven three seven one zero two five. Ryan is next on Morning Drive. Ryan, you go ahead. Hey guys, morning. Hey. Um, I think if I, I think Delaney is going to be gone. I think uh, you look at the like uh, Mason, go to Patriots, some team that you know he has a guaranteed chance of trying to win a Super Bowl this year to retire. But if you really are going to think about going for a new quarterback, you don't. You got to. I understand, you know, injury wise. I know Tannehill's injury, but you got to trade Marcus and get something out of him. You draft him as second overall pick just to, to let him walk for nothing is kind of like an insult to the franchise that you drafted him so high and then you can let him walk pretty much for nothing and get nothing out of it. I mean, I know he had, a, he had some good years here in Tennessee Titans, but you, you got teams out there like. The Kansas City Chiefs right now, who Mahomes is out, they're not sure how if he's going to be able to go or not. He's lost some of his stuff. They said, you know, Andy Reid's been a quarterback wizard for I don't know how many years now. You know, a team like that may want to take Marcus as a safety hazard just in case you know Mahomes does go down again. Yeah, I mean, all of that is true. Although you look at Andy Reid and the Chiefs, if Patrick Mahomes is only out for another two to three weeks, why does anybody believe, and most importantly in this equation, the Chiefs? Why does anybody believe Marcus is better than Matt Moore at this point, who's been in the system and knows the offense? Mm-hmm. I, if I'm about Kansas City, I'm not, I, there's no need for me to trade for Like, him. where's the value yeah. in Marcus Mariota right now on the market? There's the value. There's no – I'm not going to say there's no value. Let me rephrase that. The value is minimal um, because people know that – it's not like Tannehill where Tannehill was on – he was on a second deal and he had years left. So – you know, you felt I need to trade him away. I can get rid of his contract, but trade him away. Marcus is done after this. So a team is like, mm-hmm. unless their number one quarterback goes down and they don't feel confident in their number two at all and they're in the uh, um, playoff hunt, they're not trading for Marcus. Yeah, They're not. And if you're going to inquire about Marcus, I mean, I, it, this, if this was me, if I'm an NFL general manager – I want to know what's up with his arm. Does he does uh-huh. he legit like I want him evaluated? Does he have legitimate, serious, permanent nerve damage? Does that explain why it looks like the arm is a little bit off? Where's he at mentally? Is he a is he a broken and battered quarterback? Where's his confidence? I mean, Marcus Mariota's stock right now has probably never been lower in his career. Seven three seven one zero two five. The number. We'll come back. Brian Baldinger from the NFL Network's got a good breakdown on both Ryan Tannehill and Jeffrey Simmons, the two shining stars from Sunday, who both made their debut. We'll hear from Baldy next on Morning Drive.